Welcome to Property and Investing with Grant and Charlie, the place where we give you access to all the strategies, tools, and tactics to become a successful property investor. Charlie, do you understand the concept and idea of using equity to purchase additional investment properties? I've never come across the topic, Grant. Perfect. Well, for those of you who have and understand that completely, I'm going to do the exact same right now and steal the intro from last episode so that you know to head over to propertyinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email and drop it in. Now, if you want to do some funnies, go over to the other episode. That's all I got, Charlie. Cue the disclaimer. Let's do it. It's Charlie here from Property and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant and I and the Property Investing team are in no way, shape or form qualified to give you financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when comparing investment products or making investment decisions. All right, Grant. Today is going to be a fun episode. Now, to give some context, we're going to be talking about equity, which is such a critical and important topic to understand if you're going to be a successful property investor. And one that I think is misunderstood, and to go even further, on a previous podcast episode, we discussed equity briefly. I don't think I've ever had so many people reach out to me, not to say, hey, great episode, but more to debate with me on my own opinions and beliefs. (laughs) Don't you love it when people like feel like they know your situation better than you do? And they're like, this is my belief, so you should follow it. I have a rule in my life, Grant, is that if I'm going to take on the opinion or listen to someone is they need to have the result that <laughs> I want. So, for example, if I'm walking down the street and someone who is morbidly obese and unhealthy comes up to me giving me health advice, it's going to go, like Neo in the Matrix is dodging that shit because uh, I, I don't want to be uh, necessarily taking that on board. And I think for a lot of people is they've heard what equity is maybe like through someone else and through someone else again, where they've got a lot of like secondhand information they don't properly understand and they're acting on it. Yeah. Like they're acting on it in a a dangerous way. Can I use a bit of a setup here to just like feel it out? I thought that's what you were doing. All right. So um, I want to ask you a question. You, You and I are business guys, right? We're in business. Yes. If there was a business that the only way it could grow was from leveraging debt against previous assets, would you invest in that business? No, I definitely would not. It sounds risky. Have you heard of Enron? <laughs> yes. Great movie, by the way. But yes. All right. So I'm going to tell the story of Enron to really like frame this one up in an even more deliberate way. Such so a good setup. <laughs> I'm like, we're getting dirty here now, are we? Straight so- out of the gate. Oh my God. You didn't think I was going to go was for it, did you? I'm like, I thought you were going to dance around it a little bit, but no, straight to no. the guts. Okay. So Enron was a, I'm going to say probably started out on good intentions. Probably. Like most things. And then got way out of hand. Yep. I, I mean, I can't speak for it, but in summary, like Enron was actually a medical company who had worked out that the most expensive part of being a pharmaceutical company or medical company is the research and development. So they had come up with this idea with what they would do is just acquire other companies and then strip out all the research and development to make the share price go up. But what they ended up with is a massive conglomerate of company with no new drugs coming onto the market and then some questionable accounting tactics came into the back end of it, fraud and scam. Um, allegedly. 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 I'm not going to go into that from there, but it can be quite dangerous. So the 
ramifications of investing in a business when they do those types of things can be dangerous. And I actually think there's a lot in common with property investors who just use equity to kind of grow. I think it's missing this whole business lens. And I think for a lot of people, if they were to think about how would you feel if your superannuation was only going into companies that were growing in this way? They're just utilizing debt leveraged off previous assets. They're not producing profits and reinvesting profits. They're just leveraging assets. It's quite risky and quite dangerous. And because I think you and I are uniquely positioned where we come from this business world, we see equity very differently and the use of leverage in this way, I oppose to, uh, to people that maybe don't come from that world. How do you feel about a world? How do you feel about that statement, Grant? Yeah, it's, it's the concept of understanding the second order consequences of the decisions you make, right? Like there's, to use that business concept, if you were talking to me about the scenario of getting a brand new credit card that might have a couple of thousand dollars on it and utilizing that debt to see if a business was feasible, sure, the risk is quite low because it's like, well, if it doesn't work, a couple of thousand dollars, I can pay that off, right? So it's quite minimal. But when we start talking about size, so if we're talking about like a million dollars and trying to utilize a million dollars to try to see if that business is going to be viable, then we're not talking about a debt amount that I can go and just work off after a year or two. We're talking about a sizable amount that actually has catastrophic impacts to me where I do not have the ability to control it if it doesn't work out. (laughs) And it's those second order consequences that are really important to me. Do you think the banks have made this too easy and a little bit misunderstood to encourage people to pursue such parts. And it might not even be the banks, but someone out there is doing it, although it's probably the banks. They make the money off lending money, so it would make sense. Yeah, there's, there are a couple of people who, who do it. And I think you're, I think banks is obviously one of them, but I think that there are some other people that have provided the insight of going, well, um, you might not be able to accumulate cash quick enough, so the best and easiest way for you to get cash tax-free is re, like refinancing and extracting money elsewhere. And that is the easiest way and the fastest way for you to accumulate more when in actual fact uh, they don't talk about the second order consequences of, well, what happens if scenario one, two, three, four, five, which is more probable than the benefits of scenario, other scenarios one and two and three. Let's frame up what equity is first to make sure we get everyone onto the same page. Let's do so, it. Okay, so I'm going to uh, use the example here. Let's say you buy a house for half a million dollars, 500000 and that property was to go up in value over time to a million dollars. There is $500,000 of equity, which is the gain on that property that is not being turned into cash or would only be turned into cash if sold, that's sitting there. Now, what the banks will allow you to do is actually borrow money against that equity. So let's just uh, dispel myth number one. Equity is not free money you can just access it's a loan against the equity in a property. Completely. Right. So very, very key framing there. There's, I, I still can't believe how many people have been confused by that concept that, well, it's this money there you can just get and it's like free. It's, yours. it's like a bank account. It's yours. Just take it. It's, it's a loan that you will be charged interest on. But it's also a loan that you have to go through some kind of application process to access. Oh, yeah. That, well, I mean... <sighs> It, again, you have to look to the actors that play in this space and go, the banks want to lend money. That's what they do. Of course, they're going to be encouraging of that. That's their business. It's, and that, you know what's funny is shtick. we have a whole organization called APRA that their role is to keep the banks in check because if left unchecked, will just 
allow you to OD on loans. Just take as happen. much as you want. If it's like if they don't become checked, they're just <laughs> just a bunch of people are just sitting there ODing on loans. <laughs> what isn't that what happened in like 2018 and stuff? Like that's why they were brought in. <laughs> yeah, people need the bumpers. I get you. Completely. So I, I think that is really key framing on what equity is there. Okay. It's a loan secured against another asset. Uh, I quickly want to touch on, on why people use equity rather than uh, not. So here's the kicker that makes equity so attractive is that if you were to get a loan uh, via equity, is that because you haven't sold the asset to extract the gain, it's not a taxable event. Yeah. So this is the big perk. This is why people love it. Is if you in this scenario I've described here, if you didn't have to sell, so let's say you bought that property for five hundred thousand, it went up to a million, and you sold it, well, you would have to pay capital gains tax on that five hundred thousand that's gone up to one million, which could potentially be two hundred and fifty grand. Completely. Right. It's a lot of tax to pay. Where if you did not and only took a loan against it, it's not a taxable event. And that's where no the win is, Charlie. Surely there's no downsides to this at all. It's very attractive. Mm. Until. Well, until. Well, let's just use recent times as the example here. Let, let's pretend this legitimately was someone's situation and they did this three years ago. And they're like, cool, you know, rates are low. The, you know, the interest is low. I've taken this loan out. And then uh, you've got this equity and then you've bought another property with the equity out. So technically you might be able to buy a property with like no deposit or no money down in this scenario. Yep. Through the use of equity, you've taken out some money from another property, used that as a deposit into another one, and bang, you're off to the races. Maybe you bought another property, I- except the reality of that situation is you've bought it on 100% finance Yep. or more. I know of people that would get 105% because they would do their stamp duty and purchasing costs within it as well. Again, Scary. just sort of do a pause here. If, if you're buying property at 100% debt, or 105 company you'd invest in, Grant? Definitely not. If it, if, it, if a company is 105% debt in order for them to run, yeah, it, it's, it's concerning because just everything that we're about to run through. Well, well, this is the other part of it is that in the scenario, and I'll just use this as a thing, if you leave a 20% deposit when you buy a property and you get an 80% loan, Right, you're actually uh, massively improving the cash flow on a property because you're only having to support 80% of the property value, not 100%. Yep. In the scenario where you're using equity and not contributing any deposits, the amount of cash um, that is just not being used turns into a much more negative cash flow cycle. And I, I find it fascinating on one hand, property investors can be obsessed with cash flow, but then also not recognize the effects of equity or misuse of equity in a big way to actually drag down their cash flow. But also but also the impacts of, because if you think about those stages in order to achieve that, you have to go and refinance your half a million dollar property up to, imagine you take it up to 80%, right? So you get 300,000 out to go and put deposits on another place, et cetera. When you go and apply for that loan on the new place, they go and evaluate how much cash you have in the bank, which you've got because you've refinanced something. But then they evaluate that refinanced amount. And the impact that this really has on people's borrowing capacity is it's like they've got two houses worth of debt already, which is their 500000 and the 300000 that they've just got at one place to go and try and buy another place. And that's where it catches out a lot of people is because they don't understand that it really impacts your borrowing capacity from one, where you're extracting out and increasing your debt 
based on the income that you have. But also the second one is that probably property is probably not going to be cash flow positive anymore comparative to what it was. It might be neutral, it might be negative, it could be still slightly positive. But now the bank's going to assess that as part of your income as well. And that's and the second. Hence the layers become complex. Completely. And you look at interest rates can change. Property costs can change. Like I'll give you another one here is that for a lot of people, uh, insurance costs have gone up massively in the last 12 months as well. Yes, they have. Yeah. So when, again, and this is just, this is where it turns into opinion, right? Uh, there's facts around what equity is that I'm just want to lay out for people so they understand it. But now we go into the opinion part and I look at it and go that um, while the use of equity sounds very attractive on the surface, it's all these second order things that can actually uh, really increase risk on a portfolio and personal circumstance. Again, it only in, and we don't even have to dispel what could happen. We can say what has previously. If you took equity out at three uh, percent and now it's on six and a half percent, it's probably not as attractive as it once was. But you've already made that loan completely. If you made assumptions that in, uh, insurance wouldn't go up as fast as it did. And it has. Well, now all of a sudden you're in a really interesting place where the cash flow in a portfolio becomes heavily constrained and you can actually end up in a, a very challenging position. Your cash cycle can end up very dangerous. And Grant, you don't. Uh, this is what's interesting and I'm always reminded of this. The bank will force you to sell a property not when you're in negative equity. It's when you're out of cash. <laughs> totally. Totally. And yeah, I, I've seen quite a few people just get stalled on their property investing journey because of this, especially in the recent times, right, where they've gone, I'm going to go purchase an investment property and that's just, well, no, you're, you've been rejected on borrowing, let alone uh, anything else that could come through from, to your point, okay, well, we're going to force you to sell a house or now you need to start paying LMI or now you, when you try to do a refinance to go back to interest only loans and you need to reapply the banks are like well no you you don't have the income based on the borrowing evaluators that we've got here and so then you're forced back into a p and i which is a principal and interest loan which again oh does that impact your cash flow as well <laughs> like well, well i think there's a lot of assumptions there you've got to be very careful on how we frame that up because that's not that's very generalized we can't necessarily say that someone's going to be forced into a borrowing position it's one of those because of that yeah, but it is one of the situations it. that comes up predominantly and this is where we stretch the risk. So, again, I don't want to sit here uh, poo-pooing on equity too much because there is times when it does make sense to use it and there are appropriate things. But as a consensus, it's like it's like one of these things where people want to be very tribal about use it or don't use it. But it's like there is a balance and art to using it well and timing it well and appropriately. Sadly, I don't feel like that is the norm, though. I think the in general themes, the property investor community is like just max that shit Just max time. it out. I've, yeah, I've seen quite a bit about just max it out, use it all. So what's your stance on it? How are you thinking about equity? So the way that I approach equity now is I, I use cash deposits for everything that I currently purchase. And uh, Can we have a clarifying point? Totally. All right. Is that because of the stage of the journey you're at? Is that is that because that's where your risk factor is at? Like g give us some more around that so someone might be able to start thinking about it for themselves, not financial advice, just thinking about it for themselves. Totally. So for me, for this year, which I've spoken about on this podcast, I'm going to accumulate as many properties as I possibly can within a single year. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The accumulator run. And so for that, I need to ensure that I have borrowing capacity just in abundance. And if I was to go and try and refinance some of my other properties to extract out equity to put into new properties, 
then the second order consequence of impacting the borrowing capacity that I have would actually be the constraint that I would face. So instead of me trying to find good properties to purchase or have cash in banking hands, the actual limitation would be my borrowing capacity to which then the only lever that I have, well, there's two levers, is try and earn more to which like I earn quite well anyway, or I just have to wait for the properties to increase in value in order for me to go and borrow more again. And that's not something I really want to be able to not control. Like I want to have the control of that. And so- Do you feel the use of equity then is like it's solving a short-term problem at the expense of a long-term solution? Completely. And so then like the question I was asking myself is, am I fine with hitting a a glass ceiling until APRA changes their rules, until my income changes or something else is, or the property prices go up and then I can use that? And I'm like, no, I want to be the controller of my domain because I also then looked at it from the other side saying, well, if all of my properties as a net are still cash flow positive, which they are, then the infinite game still continues for me. Because as banks assess my income based on the expenses of the properties, I'm still looking really good. Where when I start refinancing, extracting out equity from my existing properties, then they're going to go into negative. Then it reduces my income, which then reduces my borrowing capacity, which is against everything I'm trying to do. <laughs> so I'm just like, well, this is not the how I'm going to play this game. I just don't want to hit that ceiling. I want to be able to continue going. And I, especially as I think there's some great opportunities this year and there should be next year and continuing forwards. I've often thought about this as well. If you were to, let's say, use a lot of equity earlier on in the journey, your requirements on producing higher cash flows start to become more important. And I've often wondered for investors that, uh, let's say, continually use equity, if that forces them on the risk scale where they only options they start to have is looking at things like heavily risking mining towns, for instance, where they need a 10% yield to get the loans because – all they've done is extract cash the whole way through. And, you know, they might still have a very reasonable equity position, but at the end of the day, it's because they've been continually stripping cash out of the portfolio to move into the next one. There's never been the opportunity for the cash flows to develop on the individual assets. Yeah. I've also asked myself of like, why? So when I came back to my situation, it's like, well, why do I want to acquire so quickly where I'd have to sacrifice my equity to do it? And it's because I want the end result now. And it's a very difficult thing for me to like sort of dance on that barrier of going, you know what, I'm fine with this thing taking time. I'm fine with doing what I do day to day and just accumulating the cash to go and buy the properties as opposed to, well, I just need to retire early and hit financial freedom early and do all these things yesterday. It's just, it's just a process. It's part of the journey and I'm not in a rush and I just the thing will do its thing. The other side of that argument, which again, I want to put from here is going that, well, accumulating more earlier and using equity, you know, gives you compounding advantage. Totally respect that as a point, by the way. But I also think that you have to really consider the idea of, do you think that people are putting their efforts in the wrong direction if they want to be property investors? Like it seems the idea of using equity is just so much more attractive than going, what could you do to earn 25 grand extra a year yep. or 50 grand extra a year where your borrowing power would be increased and your ability to come up with new deposits and contribute cash to the portfolio would be different? Totally. I, I think that, yeah, not enough thought is put into how how do I expand my income and or even to the other side of it, not enough thought is put into like what happens if I lost, lost my income generating or my partner lost their income generation, right? Like, Let's imagine this portfolio has to survive for a little bit while someone's looking for a new job. 
or what happens if knock on wood like the unforeseen happens like i don't know one of the properties needs a major renovation and cash needs to be put in on it right and you've just maxed everything out like what happens if it's not no tenant for three months right it's empty and we need to put cash in on it like where's that cash going to come from I think not enough effort or even in what we've seen is the interest rates increasing and the cost for these properties and insurance increasing and cost as well is, is continuing. I just don't think enough effort's put on that as a thought and people just go, oh, I'll just always be able to weather the storm. And it's, it's layering those two on top of each other of going, well, how do I play it in the best case scenarios and the worst case scenarios? And it comes back to what you and I have spoken about quite a lot, which is that sleep at night factor. Man, I sleep at night pretty going, you know what? Anything can happen on these properties man, I, I can go get things fixed. I can extract some equity if I desperately need to do a major renovation. But I'm like, I don't need to. Like, it's just, uh, I'm happy with where I'm at. I just don't think people put enough thought to it. Every, that is the ultimate view I share with you on this one. I enjoy the sleep at night factor. I, I really do. And I look at it and go, another thing I think about often when it comes to this topic, let, let's pretend that uh, Australia uh, goes through a period of time where property isn't in a good place, okay? Prices come down. Like, and I mean, you could argue that's kind of happening at the moment. Right? Prices have definitely come down in certain areas. If you're overextended with borrowing and prices come down, you're locked out of the game. Completely locked out. Yeah, but if you're in a strong position where you've left, let's say you've left 20% deposits and property comes down uh, 10%, you're still in the green, right? You're still in a positive position. But not only that is you might actually be in a position to capitalize on opportune markets. So I often look at this and go, okay, cool. I could see that there is potential to do well through the use of equity. And I know there's people out there right now screaming because they've done well using equity and they are outraged by our views grant. But on the other side of things, I look at it and go on, because of the uh, way I've approached things, like I've actually been able to take take on advantages and opportune things that they wouldn't have been. Totally. And I suspect I've probably beaten them because of I've been able to do that, right? Yep. There's things you can get access to that you just can't if you're overextended. It'd be interesting to look back at the statistics of like how many people sort of wiped themselves out or created a glass ceiling by just trying to do like this idea of just more and more versus the people who have just like been, I don't know, t- like they just had this perfect timing and luck was on their side. Do you know what? It's not wipeouts. I've thought about this as well, right? It's the ceilings. The reality is is that the wipeouts aren't as common as you would think. And don't get me wrong, people end up in challenging circumstances, but they just sell a property, right? Yeah. Like it's not like they get into such dire needs. I will also say that in Australia, it's fascinating where people will literally, until they can't feed themselves, hold a property. Pay their property. Yeah, yeah it's, it's actually one of the reasons I invest in property is because that's the mentality. The irrational right? Australians. Yeah, well, I can't see fire sailing happening. <laughs> Because I suspect we'd see people stealing food before we'd see people selling their property. But do you Am see I, the glass ceiling though? Like, do you see them hitting up against the ceiling? It's a trap. The this trap. is what happens. People who get overextended, and I, I sadly know some people in this time where it's like, let's say they were in a really good position coming out of the end of the pandemic, right? So they're in that situation there. All of a sudden, they've and they've used equity to do it. Got to frame it up. Rates have gone up and put the squeeze on everything. And they are at a stop. Yep. So they've got no lending available to them now because their costs have gone up to run the portfolio. They've also potentially had some insurance costs and things like that come up where, again, they've ended up in a stop. But the real constraint is that they're now having to contribute cash to this portfolio month on month to keep it going. 
So the amount of free or available cash coming from their income that they have available, gone. Yep. So they're in this mentality of they've just got to grind and wait it out. And I think that's the real uh, challenge here is like as an investor and a property investor, I don't think that's the position you want to be coming from. No chance. You come from behind the eight ball. Yeah, and even with rents coming up as they are, the reality is is that maybe if you're lucky, matching the interest rate rises, but for a lot of people, they're not. So it's not like these rental increases are, are fixing the cash flow position on their property. It's just kind of hedging against as a bit of a buffer. But at the same time, it's like it's not like rates are coming down currently. So for them, they've just got to ride it out. And that would mean, in, I mean, many of the circles we play is this is business owners where it's like, there's moves they could potentially make that they can't take care of in business now because they've got to contribute cash to their portfolio. And they've got pressure from outside the business in order for them to earn in the business. Absolutely. And this could be the same for an employee. Like this could be someone, and again, I'm not trying to say this is a business owner specific problem or one or the other, but this is now the employee who, because of the constraints on cash, if they're on a fixed income, this is the holiday they they can't go on. Yeah. This is the... the yeah, the can the heavy restriction on household budget starts to become a more important part of this. Uh, it, it is one of those things, and actually, I'll go back to your point around like just waiting. Like it's like time is the only lever that you've got, and time is not a lever. Like you can't push and pull time. It's like what happens if you signed a twelve month lease with a tenant like a couple of months ago, like six months ago. You have to wait six months until you see the rental increase on that anyway which means you're just in this situation for six months. And that's if it goes back up to your point, the uh, rate rise that it has been at. And so it, it is one of those times, and you're right, it's very few hit the wipeout because they can sell their properties. Some people I know have sold them for losses, which is never a good thing. It's almost like you're, what is it, once bitten, twice shy? Because well, when, w- when would you have to sell if this risk was increased? Yeah, totally. And when the market's not doing well. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> And you buy it when it's doing well and, and sell it when it's not doing well, which means then on the other side of it all, it's the, it is the second order consequences that people haven't consciously thought about when they've gone hard on this. It's just more for the sake of more because that seems to get me to the outcome I'm looking for quicker without thinking about what, what would happen if a bad scenario occurred, which it has recently. Can we go into some points about when I would use equity now after giving it such a back backlashing and just bashing throughout this episode? No, wait. We thought you'd never use equity, Charlie. You just use cash guy forever. Okay, so I'm gonna go. Well, maybe we'll see. We'll see. And I mentioned this in a in a previous episode a little bit, but it's like if you've held a property, let's say for 20 years, and the rents over that 20 years have gone up substantially, where if you extracted some equity the rent on that property could cover to the equity loan with ease on p and I'm okay with it. I think that's an appropriated use of equity and the asset if you're using it for a, an appropriate purchase. Um, the second thing I really look at and go where I would use equity is in a scenario where I wanted to make a purchase but actually stay very liquid. So let's say you're, again, later on in the journey, and, and it's really the later on in the journey where I think equity offers the most value. Right, I, I really do. Stripping out equity in the early stages of an investment is where I perceive, and this is opinion, where I think the most risk is. So maybe you've got 50 grand in a property and you're pulling it out right away instead of letting that asset develop. Um, where, where I look at this is if, if you're later on in your journey and you've got a couple of million in equity and you were looking to, let's say, buy a commercial property yep. or make a really big acquisition and you're going, cool, I don't want to tie up all this money. I would prefer to use some equity and then keep some cash to the side to put in an offset account. 
Well, I, you know, still look at it in the way of like your position's probably relatively the same because you've got the cash, but you're actually using equity so you can stay more liquid to rise or go through that environment. So that's actually like a de-risk play and the use of equity. So I'm, I'm, I'm personally okay with using that type of strategy for myself. Did, but they're the scenarios. Did I tell you when I was looking at doing that? So I was I was looking at refinancing some of mine to extract equity and just leave the equity in offsets um, because I think there are some great opportunities that are going to pop up this year and there's no lie that people know that I'm looking to accumulate some, right? And so that's what I was looking at so I could just have the cash liquid and to go ham until I realized that, well, actually – my borrowing capacity is impacted by that because the cash because it's not free money <laughs> yeah, grant. What a surprise! Yeah, because it's like the banks don't care about the cash I've got sitting in offsets <laughs> against my borrowing capacity. Yeah, so then I'm just like, okay, well, that's not a lever I'm willing to push and pull. So to that point, I concur, especially if you're actively looking at opportunities. But again, just understand the second order consequence. Right, like yes, from a cash flow perspective, my properties would have been doing really well because of the off because of the cash sitting in offsets is actually doing very similar to what it's doing now. But the real impact was me going to the banks and saying, "Hey, can I go and get more borrowing?" And then looking back at my debt, saying, "Well, actually, now you can't get as much as you used to be able to," and that was the challenge that I came up against with. And so I just didn't do it. I would just want to relay one more message before we we round this episode up because I think it is, and it's like viewing it in this way is that if you are someone where your only opportunity is to use equity, personally, I think you should consider what you're doing in your household for income and budget. Totally. And if your income isn't at a place where you can contribute to new purchases, I'd probably work on something there. I really would. The reality is, is that property investing is much easier and you don't have to take on the risk if you have the ability to generate an income where you can contribute. Honestly, it's more fun too. Yeah. I, I'd much rather be playing from that position than someone who doesn't. And I, again, it's like I just look at the idea of uh, if you're at a poker table and you need to make $1,000, it's much easier to do if you've got 100000 than if you've got 100 bucks. <laughs> totally. Right. So in the realities, that's kind of the same way of thinking about the risk that's taken on when you don't have the ability to contribute income. You've got to take a lot more risk when you don't have the income. Yep. Um, the second thing I would really look at here is that if you are someone that uh, can can think longer term, you will see that just constantly stripping out equity isn't the best way to play this game. And I know some people do it and glorify it and all the rest, but the risk that comes with it when you just don't know what can happen is absurd to me. And if you are someone out there, please consider that because part of what we do here is we want to make sure that investors are thinking through this stuff so they don't get themselves into that type of situation there. Totally. And one of the questions I always like to ask myself on the back of that is like, why? Why am I looking at, like in this example, why am I looking at extracting equity to have the cash? And it usually, for me, it kept coming back to, well, I want the thing quicker. Greed, Grant. Greed. greed. Totally. And I'm like, do I really do I dislike what I'm doing that much? And no. Well, for me, the answer was no. Like, I actually love what I do day to day. Which, and then it's like, okay, well, why? Why are you putting unnecessary risks and pressure on yourself to get something quicker than just letting it go? Like, just continuing through the peaks and troughs as it plays without you compromising your sleep at night factor or creating additional risks on something that already has risks to it. One of the things I love, Grant, I'm going to tell you, when, when I buy a property and I leave a big enough deposit that it can cover itself on principal and interest and I don't have to contribute to itself and it's actually paying down its own loan, that is like the best feeling in property <laughs> investing. I'm like, someone else is paying for this house 
and like not just covering the interest, but actually paying off the loan. Totally. And I'm like, that is the that is the mecca of property investing, and one of the reasons I love it so much. Should we wrap it up? Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. For anyone who's listening to this, if you're like, this is an idea or a concept that not enough people talk about, and I actually wish that some people spoke about it previously so I didn't have to smash a whole heap of spreadsheets, Charlie, to realize it, um, head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email and subscribe so we notify you every single time we drop one of these episodes. I just want to say thank you again to joining us and uh, we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Property and Investing.